and that's why I'm open about my journey because they say if you want to take the island, you burn all the fucking boats. So if I'm talking to you guys about this openly, if I'm open about my journey, it gives me that much more support and it helps me realize like, holy shit. Like, and you're helping other people. Yeah. And you know, I can't go back. If Secrets make people sick. So I'm not going to be ashamed of who I am. I'm just not going to. But when I got to treatment, I took like the test that tells you everything. Like it was like a diagnosis. And when I got there, I was diagnosed with like 80 different things. And when I left, I had no diagnosis. Wow. Oh, that's amazing. I'm David Bosher. And I'm Sid Sharice. And you're listening to Destroy the Hairdresser, the podcast. Where we teach you to salon differently. Sid, do you still wash your hair? Not since I've been using new wash. No need for conditioners, masks, or post-wash detanglers. Are you talking about the non-toxic detergent-free shampoo and conditioner replacement by Hair Story? Yes, and all of our listeners can get a free pouch of new wash. Visit hairstory.com slash DTH. I'm already typing it in. I just got a new customized booking website and a free e-reader. That's genius. Yeah, gloss genius. They also helped me transfer all of my clients over from my old booking software to theirs for free. That's amazing customer service. And the best part, DTH listeners get their first month free on us, as well as their very own credit card reader, which is usually an $80 value. To sign up, visit dth.glossgenius.com. Happy birthday. <laughs> so Sid, you're 95. How does it feel? I'm 21 for life. <laughs> I feel like I'm 20. I'm really, I turned 35 this month. I go back and forth. Sometimes I feel like I'm 21 and sometimes I feel like I'm like 61. So they're really, you know, yeah. old man, young man syndrome. I think because I feel like my inner self is a teenager forever, but with the mm-hmm. wisdom of like an old wise guy. Crone. Yeah. Crone. <laughs> So I just feel like I'm always excited and energy. And it's funny because the other day, Astra was like, why are you like so happy when you wake up? And I'm just like, wait, people aren't happy when they wake up. And then I realized Mm -mm. that a majority of people don't wake up the way that I wake up. (laughs) So yeah. So I used to live with Sid. We used to be roommates and waking up with Sid was like waking up with a mariachi band it was just noise and dancing and screaming. It was it was out of control. But I don't think it was screaming. I think it was a lot of smoothie making. <laughs> it was a lot of smoothie making. So Sid, tell them what we're going to be talking about today. We're actually going to be having a very special guest, Miss Gina Bianca. And we are going to be talking about addiction, addiction to work, addiction in personal life, addiction altogether. And I think this is such a strong topic because... Destroy the hairdresser. We like to talk about things that aren't floofy. We don't want to talk about just hair. And so bringing our guests on from the hair industry, we think it's really important to just get to know them on a different aspect. I'm sure she's been asked her whole career like about her work. And it's like, we get it. I want to know about you. I want to connect with you <laughs> as a person. Like I want to, I want to know who you are. And I think that's what's so great. The only thing floofy about this conversation is her two dogs. So <laughs> Gina, Bianca, welcome. welcome. Welcome pups to the conversation. We're hey, happy to have you here. 
So we want to jump right in. You know, when we were doing our meet and greet a couple of weeks back, we were talking about addiction and addiction to work. When did you start nonstop working? Because we've all we've all we've all done it. Done it, or we're currently doing. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not an expert on addiction. I'm in early recovery. So for anybody mm-hmm. listening, just know that I got sober from drugs and alcohol in September of 2020. I checked myself into what I thought was a high-end yoga retreat. It was actually a psychiatric <laughs> hospital. Um, but we believe what we want to believe, right? So mm-hmm. <laughs> we create our own reality. Yes. And when I was there, I was. Um, you know, you get there and reality hits you like, okay, I lived with 10 amazing women. I had three roommates. I went from living my badass life to having to ask for the remote. So it was really <laughs> shocking, but I was at a point where I needed help. I didn't really go for addiction. I went because I had so much trauma in my life and my life had become unmanageable. I was Mm -hmm. not okay. I was not happy. I was compulsively smoking marijuana. Whenever I drank, I would drink till I blacked out. I was a blackout drinker. I would drink and drive. I have everything anybody could ever want. And at any minute, it could have been gone. And I was talking to my... Like you were trying to disappear a little bit. I did not learn how to properly manage stress. Addiction is poorly managed stress. So you asked me when I started working nonstop, when I wasn't 14, 15 years old, I had a job. I grew up with an alcoholic father and my mother's a workaholic. She worked nonstop to make sure my brother and I were all good. You know, my dad was in jail a lot. So she was a single mom working nonstop for us, but I think she used work as an escape and I'm not going to speak for my mom. I, I don't have anything bad to say about my mom. I love my mom. She's the best, but I watched her as an ER nurse work nonstop. And if you ask anybody about my mom, they say she's the hardest working person I've ever met. And that's what I kind of grew up as my model of like, this is what I do. You were like, to be successful, I have to work my ass Or to survive, you know? And Mm -hmm. I had a lot of jobs. I started in high school with like two or three jobs. I was a tanning expert. I worked at a tanning salon and sold lotion. Yeah, Me too. I sold lotion and that was my title, tanning expert, which I laugh about because I love tanning. And it's just like, <laughs> I posted on Facebook. I was like, which job did I not have? And I put tanning expert and everyone's like, I don't think tanning expert is a job. I'm like, listen, you obviously don't know <laughs> anything. So legit. When you're really Literally. good at it. <laughs> but I was working in restaurants. I was working all different places. And I think that my working, I always wanted money. I always wanted freedom. I always wanted flexibility. So I was always a hardworking person. But I think that when my work addiction became real was when I opened my first salon because Mm. the pressure was on, long story short, when I was growing up, I didn't get what I needed. I was bullied a lot. I had like, imagine just having an empty hole in your chest And you didn't get the love and affirmation of like, you are beautiful, you are strong, you are important, you are worthy. Like I just grew up and I got bullied a lot. I had really dysfunctional family. And then when I grew up, I kind of took what other people said and like the outside validation became my addiction. It's really, it stems from sex and love addiction. I say sex and love addiction because that's what it's called. I'm more of a love addict 
in a sense of like, I rely on outside validation to be okay. This is a lot for me to talk about because it's super vulnerable. Like it fills you we up. Appreciate yeah, it. It's no, super we appreciate vulnerable. It. Like people don't talk about this. People don't even know that that's like a thing. I think people should because so many people, I'm, and that's why we wanted to bring you on because we were like, there's probably so many people feeling this, even outside and of our they industry. No. They might mm-hmm. not know what to call it. It's like, yeah. why do I need these likes on my photo? Why do I need people to approve of what I'm doing? And so I think that a lot of my issues stem from codependency, which is from dysfunctional childhood. And there's no such thing as a perfect child. There's no such thing as like, everybody's dysfunctional. It's a spectrum. It's like autism is a spectrum. Dysfunctional is a spectrum. Perfection is dysfunctional. So Mm -hmm. like nobody has perfect parents. Like I get it. But I think a lot of my issue comes from codependency and it's like the need to control others and control the situation. And that's from a lot of trauma. And then my love addiction, it's sex and love addiction. That's what it's called. But like, I'm, I'm more on the love addict side of like that need for validation. And I'm like be- doing really well with this in my life now, as we're speaking today, like I'm doing really well with this. My recovery is going great, but I think that that hurricane you know that song? I've got a jet yeah. black heart. <laughs> that song. And there's a hurricane underneath it. I'm not getting fine. But like that hurricane of like all this stuff is going on. So that brings out stress. And then how I learn to manage stress is working, drugs, alcohol, sex. When I get in the fuckets, you know, the fuckets for me are like heavy drinking and sex. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of mm-hmm. women can relate to that. And I have no shame. Absolutely. I like, <laughs> I like that you called it the fuck yeah. it's because we all have That's that such a great limit. Yeah. We have that limit. And we, if you want to know what you're addicted to, it's really that thing you go to when you, the when f- you're in that fuck, fuck it, it moment <laughs> and the buckets, I'm going to make a shirt. Don't make me get to the fuck it's because it's not good. And I think too, like, I think it's important that people know that addiction can really be you know, when you get to that place and you start eating too much. Or oh my God, yes. Food. Binge eating. Mm-hmm. I have friends that like work out addictively to the point where they hurt themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we assume addiction looks like one specific thing. And I think once you're in therapy or you're in rehab or you're starting to learn these things, you're like, oh, addiction is really anything that I'm just really, I'm abusing to fill that hole inside of us, which we all have some sort of missing attribute. I think people are probably curious and I, I know people are listening like, oh my God, this is me mm-hmm. in some level. What was the turning point where you were like, oh yeah, there's something wrong. How do we get to the yoga retreat? Is, is really <laughs> it was what I'm not asking. a yoga retreat. It was a level one psychiatric <laughs> hospital. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> You're like, how did this happen? Were they at least doing I yoga? I did yoga in the rec room downstairs. <laughs> I'm not laughing at you. I'm no. just laughing at the the setup I went in, to, it, that I see. Yeah, in this but situation. I went to like one of the best places in the country. Like I got the yeah, it, it was like yeah, literally marketed the like the four seasons, but it was literally like La Quinta with 40 hours of the best therapist in the entire world for a week. Like I had <laughs> the best and you know what? Okay, two things. Let me go back. Food. My first issue was with food. As a child, as like a five, three, four, five-year-old child, I've always had food issues. And people, my friends listening right now, us people with food issues, 
it's fucking complicated. Okay. It's complicated. And if you've got food issues as the root and the food issues, like food is love, love is food. Like that love addiction, it's complicated. That's a whole other podcast. I didn't, I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know where we're going with this, but the food, that is a whole other issue. And on my podcast, Gina Bianca podcast, episode 31 to 35, I talk all about my eating disorder, all about food, all about the control. Mm-hmm. Like how did all this add up to you going oh, to get okay. Help? So, so much has happened. And then 2020 happened and I was like, not okay. As a salon owner with employees, I was super boundaryless and I was super resentful. And then COVID happened and I had to cancel my tour. I had to refund people who were literally my biggest fans, but screaming at me that I'm the worst piece of shit in the entire world. Cause I was trying to reschedule instead of refund everybody, which that, mm-hmm. if you're an educator, you know what I'm talking about. That was the most triggering, traumatizing time ever having to refund people. Oh for a tour. We had to cancel our tour too. It was insane. Like you don't know what to do and we didn't know what to expect in the world. Mm-hmm. And it was all over the yeah, place. I didn't use you know? Eventbrite. I had everything run through Shopify and I spent the mm. money on the network. I spent the money building out the space for the education. So I didn't have mm-hmm. money to give back to people. Like I almost went bankrupt. So like I, and I'm not complaining. This all happened for me because if I didn't have this mental breakdown, I would not be the person that I am today. I'm not complaining mm-hmm. or mad at anybody, but like I was under, this I was under happened. so much stress. So when COVID happened, and we shut down 14 days to flatten the curve. I played can- not Candy Crush Cooking Diary. It's like Diner Dash. So <laughs> I played that game for 60 hours straight. I was just like, I it was a coping I mechanism. You were escaping. I was escaped. I spent like $500 on the app too. Picture me in a corner sucking my thumb. I was not okay. And yeah. that's what that was how I was coping. And then I started doing online education. I tried to like adapt and evolve. I was trying to make it work. And what I was doing, I was doing good things, but I was also doing bad things. I was exercising compulsively. I lost like 80 pounds. Everybody knows I lost like a ton of weight, but like people are like, how did you lose weight? And I'm just like, I was pretty much starving myself. Like, I, I mean, I can't really, mm-hmm. I was working out for 90 minutes a day and not eating. So like, I'm not your workout <laughs> role model. You know what I mean? You're like, this is not what we need to come to. When COVID hit, I st- I have high anxiety and depression and I, I didn't take medication for it for a long time because I just used it as fuel. And one of the things that happened during COVID is I started having a mental breakdown, but I didn't know I was having one. And I lost a bunch of weight. Sid saw me, kind of the same thing. Like I went to her house one day and she's like, you look like I, this isn't Amaciated, you. Like, yeah, it was not good it was scary. And the, and the messed up part was, you know, we were going through a traumatic experience as a, as a world and like, what are we going to do with our business? And it wasn't until I had to, I thought I was functioning until my partner was like, I don't know how to help you. And that was really alarming that I was like, Oh, I didn't even know (laughs) you thought you had to. And it wasn't until I started seeing my reflection from everyone else that was like, Oh, there is something really wrong. I just thought I had, I couldn't breathe and my stomach was hurting and I was having racing thoughts and I wasn't sleeping anymore. And I just, I thought these things were just like, Oh, I'm stressed because of COVID. And it really wasn't until I went to a doctor and got on medicine. Not everyone does medicine, but medicine helped me step out of what was happening being like, wow, there's a lot of stuff this has brought up. It wasn't just COVID. It was 
We are a very pro get help and that it's not a weakness to get help or to admit and be vulnerable of what's going on. We were also addicted to working and then we just weren't. Yeah. And for that, that brought up a lot of things for people. So going back to, you know, you getting to this space, you were playing candy or uh, yeah, so diner, diner dash. dash. So I was like compulsively. So once we stopped, everything I was doing for my business wasn't working. You know what I mean? Like, like right. I was helpless in that moment. I was suffering. So I was like playing cooking diary. I was trying to get everything online. I was trying to offer solutions. It literally like it's triggering to even talk about that time in my life. It was so awful. Even I'm going on tour in the fall and I literally am absolutely terrified. It's, it's, it's scary Mm -hmm. to go back and do that. What I was also doing, which people probably knew because I was posting about it. Ew. Oh my God. Like I literally want to like curl up in a ball and die thinking about like how boundaryless I was all the money I had, I was spending on marijuana. I had my medical card. I got diagnosed with PTSD, which was not the diagnosis. It's not, I don't have PTSD. I have trauma and PTSD is like a scapegoat for like, you can get your card, but like a lot of people don't have it, but you can get diagnosed for it pretty easy. Anyway, I'm not trying to encourage that, but it's just, it wasn't what I, I didn't need my medical marijuana card. Like people can use it recreationally. Like that's great. I'm not against marijuana, but I had in my mind that like, this is the cure. This is the medicine. And I was compulsively smoking. My bong was on my table. I would rip through two cartridges. You were filling that hole. I was numbing. I was ripping through two yeah. cartridges mm-hmm. a day. So I had like two or three different cartridges that are pens and I would rip through them all day. And then I would take, I would take 60 milligrams of oil when I woke up. So 60 milligrams of THC, that's six edibles when I woke up in the morning on an empty stomach. Wow. And then I'd go work out. Yeah, I would go work out for 90 minutes. I would rip my pen the whole way through the workout. I would come home, smoke maybe one, two joints, take pills. I would take 180 milligram pills. Like I was literally like numbing out. But like, the thing is, is I'm so high functioning that nobody, Steve, my fiance, he, it it got to the point right before I I went away. I looked at him because I was, I was going to teach a class when we were kind of getting back. It was late August and I couldn't find my pen. I couldn't find it. And I was just like, I remember the feeling of like literally wanting to like break something because I couldn't find it. And he's like, Hey, you're teaching today. Like you don't need it. Like, don't worry. And I literally looked at him. I was like, you will never know what it's like to be me. You will never know what it's like to be me. Like, get the fuck out of my face. Like, you will never know what it's like. The person who loves me the most, who cares for me the most, I literally looked at him and was just gone. And I remember looking at his face. Reacting to you? I remember looking at his face and I knew I was about to lose everything. I knew I was going to lose. And if I lost Steve, I I have this pattern that, I mean, when I was in treatment, like I wrote out a timeline of my whole life and you see the pattern. I have a very distinct pattern. I usually get cheated on, broken up with or whatever. And then I go, it's a pattern that's like super unsafe. And I knew if I lost him, I don't know if I would survive the pattern. I had like all these thoughts going through my head, like I was like gone and I talked to my therapist about it and I was seeing her once a week and we were going through, I got this book called the betrayal bond. We're going through this book (laughs) and I'm going through the exercises with her completely high, completely fucked up, completely stressed out. And I said to her, I was like, is there some place I can go? And in my heart, I really wanted to like, I really wanted to stop smoking and I had tried, but I couldn't stop. But I never told anybody that I was trying to stop because I was just, 
I didn't want to commit to it that much, but I couldn't stop. Like it was always there. I had it. I came home from treatment. Steve got it all out of the house. It's everywhere. Still, I I have it everywhere. I literally in my makeup brushes, I have, it's everywhere. And I, and I found like 200 milligram cookies in my freezer the other day at the bottom of my freezer. And I used to slam those hundred milligram cookies. And I literally took them out of the package, crumbled them up and flushed them down the toilet. And I was just like, I can't believe I did that. And that's why I'm open about my journey because they say, if you want to take the Island, you burn all the fucking boats. So if I'm talking to you guys about this openly, if I'm open about my journey, it gives me that much more support. And it helps me realize like, holy shit, like, and you're helping other people. Yeah, and you know, I can't go back. If Secrets make people sick. So I'm not going to be ashamed of who I am. I'm, I'm just not going to. But when I got to treatment, I took like the test that tells you everything. Like it was like a diagnosis. And when I got there, I was diagnosed with like 80 different things. And when I left, I had no diagnosis. Because you get oh, there amazing. and you look way worse than you are. And I left and I was fine. I just needed time to go through my trauma and to look at myself for who I am. You just sit in to it. To take some time. You know, I don't, I take like sleeping something to sleep. And I think medication is fabulous for those who need it. You should go on medication if you need it. If your doctor says, if you have a diagnosis, I think there should be no shame around medication. By the end of my journey there, I was just like, I was able to go home. But like the hardest thing is, is there's no magic silver bullet to heal you. It's an every single day accountability, boundaries, self-care, and really just knowing yourself. But I, I would love to even say like with COVID, you know, two weeks after getting into treatment, I had like a mental breakdown about COVID. They were like, well, tell us how you got here. And I was like, well, blah, blah, my tour, my tickets. And I literally had like a shaking, convulsive breakdown about work, about how I put myself last. Like nobody cared. Nobody cared. Nobody asked me if I needed help. I was like shaking, convulsing about work. And she's just like, okay, like we have to do a lot of work around this. And when I was there for six weeks, I did a lot of work around work because addiction is poorly managed stress. So if you're working to the point of, I have nothing else, you're going to be so stressed. You're going to look for other things to numb it with. Yeah. I like that phrase, like addiction, say it again. Addiction is managed stress. That's all. It's literally poorly managed stress. Like I never learned how to cope with stress. I learned how to eat. I learned how to do drugs and drink. I learned how to work. I learned how to distract myself from it. You know, then it's a lot. And so many people struggle with this. We all have addictions. The new addiction is the phone. People don't even realize that they have addictions or that they're escaping or that they're using things to fill voids. Like they have no idea. Yep. The validation. I need likes. Instagram. Likes. Likes, comments, people reaching out, swipe right onto or whatever. People are on these sites with relationships and trying to, you know, only fans freaking do I'm not shaming anybody but you know I met a lot of incredible no I met a lot of incredible women who have sex on camera and they don't even get paid they just do it for the validation right it's like what's the consciousness behind it beautiful incredible amazing women you would never know but they want to feel loved so much but that's how they do it. Yeah. There are people desperately hurting. Nobody knows. We're all in our own little world. And I, what I'm grateful about is with this journey I'm, I'm on now is like, it gives me such perspective and understanding for the world, like the people who are hurting and you just never know. Yeah. How has your 
journey from rehab and then kind of re-entering your life and your work, what's changed? Like, because just from watching your journey, I we saw the change. Obviously, before knowing all of this, it was like, oh, she's coming back strong. But where, I guess, where you went, we didn't know right away. Going back to work, what is it like now? What do you do that's different? And I think, what could you give our listeners to apply to their lives to go back to work differently. I think the big thing is put yourself first. And what does that look like, right? So people say, put yourself first. I say this all the time, but I actually go into depth on it, okay? So putting yourself first means your health comes first. And there's four kinds of health, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health. For me, my physical health, if I put my physical health last, I'm going to be miserable no matter what. My machinery Same. needs... It rocks my world. Yeah, and, and right now, I have to be honest. I'm not perfect. I gained like 25 pounds since January. I like struggle with super like intense seasonal depression. I hate living in Connecticut. I don't want to live here, but this is where I live and I'm not leaving. So it's literally like I have to figure out ways. And, you know, with COVID and my yoga studio closing down permanently, like I didn't have anywhere to go. And then you're making you wear a mask during yoga. Like it's literally like if I had my yoga studio, I feel like it would have been a completely different experience for me because I'd have some kind of outlet. And like, yes, I can do yoga from home, but like, no, I, it's just no. It's just like, I don't care what people say. I, I have really bad seasonal depression. So I gained like 25 pounds. Now that it's getting warmer, I'm getting back into it, but it's a, it's a struggle. It's not easy to just, you know, just snap your fingers and you're just like, okay, everything's perfect. So I think physical is huge. And like when I have anxiety and if I have that pent up energy, I believe, and this is just my opinion, that exercise is the cure for that exercise will cure depression, anxiety, all of those things. Rigorous exercise has always worked for me. I don't think it's going to work for everybody, but just give it a try. I think that's like a huge thing. And so many doctors, everybody recommends exercise because it's actually like a real thing. So physical, mental health. Yeah, it's big. It helps. Speaking with a therapist regularly. There's so much we can talk about with mental health. You know, there that's like a whole other mm-hmm. podcast. Emotional health, feeling your emotions. That's like a huge part of it. And like not running from them and numbing them and being mindful when you're numbing. And then spiritual health, like my meditation practice and my conscious contact with a higher power and my belief system spiritually. Like I'm an incredibly spiritual woman. Like I believe in God. I believe that my path is already planned out for me. I believe life is not happening to me. It's happening for me. Even now, like we're expanding at the network and it's happening way quicker than I want it to happen, but I know it's happening for me. So I just accept it instead of stressing about it. I'm just like, well, this is happening because this is all bringing everything to me. Like my mindset spiritually is different. Why waste energy on things that are out of your control, right? Especially when we're trying to fight against it. So like my, my big thing that I've done different, I'm trying to put myself first. Am I perfect? No, no such thing as perfect. That's another thing I learned. There's no such thing as perfect. You know, I would beat myself up if things weren't perfect, perfect, perfect. But to be honest, it just doesn't exist. And it's up to other people's interpretation. Like perfect is what I see or what you see. Like you decide there's no such thing as like perfect. So that's huge. And I think that the last thing I'll say about what I've done different is I put myself first by putting my schedule first. So like I look at my schedule has such strict boundaries. Like you guys were even trying to book me. There's not a lot because I don't allow myself to get booked by other people a lot. Like I don't allow people to manage, like I don't have a huge schedule. I'm on the floor doing hair once a week. 
I do coaching one and a half days. I do shooting one day. And then the rest is kind of open for me to book stuff because I know things come up. Yeah, but in that schedule, like my work schedule is pink and then my self-care schedule is yellow. So I try to have a balance of yellow and pink. And if I'm burnt out and I look at my schedule, it's because there's no yellow. And if it's not in my schedule, I'm not going to do it. So I think that that was a big thing. Like I would show up for a hair appointment before showing up for like, oh, I'm going to go for a walk this morning. If it's not in my schedule, I won't do it. So I think that Mm -hmm. putting your schedule first and really taking ownership and managing yourself if you're going to work for yourself and live this lifestyle, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, if you're going to be independent and you're not going to have, you're not going to answer to anybody, you have to manage yourself. Nobody's going to manage you. Like you have to do it and like, stop complaining that you're so busy and you have no boundaries and blah, blah, blah. Like you have to manage yourself, like stop complaining and do it. I think people forget how much power they have and like how much control that they do have over their lives. And they let themselves be powerless in so many situations. And I love that you said other people booking you because we do that as hairstylists all the time. We let our clients, our business, everything control us. And something we teach at DTH is your non-negotiable time. And like, for me, that's my, I'm OCD, ADHD. I have to work out in the morning. Like that is my outlet, right? So it's one of those things of like, where's your non-negotiable time? Where's your time for just you? And so I love that you've built that into your schedule. And now that you're back at the network, tell people kind of what the network is. And now that you've come back kind of rejuvenated and a completely different person from what it sounds like, what is the network? How can people get involved? And how has it grown? Because I know that you took that money from your tour and you created this great space for people to come together. Tell people kind of how that came to be and what they can expect. Yeah, from so it. I opened the network as an extension of my first salon. So I owned Gina Bianca Hair for five years. That salon was a team-based pay salon for employees. So I had a very, very high-functioning team-based pay salon. I had a lot of employees. I paid hourly. It was like amazing. But like I was traveling, teaching. Like I wanted to follow my dream of becoming an educator. I was hosting these huge classes. Like I would hire people. We'd sell like 150 tickets, and I was like, we need an education space in Connecticut. So I opened the network. And And I was like, okay, well, all my stylists, once they kind of hit that mark, they can go rent a chair there. So that was my goal is to do like hire them from school, get them to rental. That was my goal. And then I ended up closing my employee-based salon because I just didn't want to do it anymore. I just didn't want to do it. I can talk about that all day long. I actually had like crazy stuff in treatment over it about like that salon was traumatizing for me. Like I love that salon, but like I didn't want to do it anymore. That what you wanted to I do. I loved it for yeah. the time being, but like for me, I really need the independence. I'm 29 years old. Like I want to continue growing. I don't want to be in the salon all day. So I opened the network. And the network is an education facility. So if you're an educator listening and you want to host classes, we can host 200. We can host 50 mm. for hands-on. We really have an incredible education space. And then we're a booth rental salon. So we're fully booked right now, but we're adding more chairs. We're expanding and adding another 4,000 square feet. We're adding more chairs. We're adding a huge 1,600 square foot classroom so that I can do classes whenever, putting in a podcast studio. It's going to be beautiful. It truly is a network of artists. Yeah. And you know, that's why I call it the network because I was talking to one of my friends and I was like, let's just close our salons and open a place in New York City and call it the network and all of our friends can work there. And then I was like, I'm just going to do that. And I did it. I literally, I was like, I'm going to do it. And I did it because it's like, you know, I know so many people, people don't want to be employees at this point and they do, but like, 
but they want freedom too. Yeah, I'm looking to work with that kind of stylist. And I said this and I was at the point where I'm done paying people to work for me. I want people to pay me to work with me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I'm done Mm -hmm. and I'm done paying people to learn from me. I want people to pay to learn from me. I was giving so much value and I was just like, you know what? Like my mental state can't handle training people and them leaving. Like I just couldn't, I just couldn't handle it anymore. And that's me personally. But now I'm at the point at the network where like, it's like that big sister energy of just like, I want you to grow. I want you to open your salon. I want you to live your dream. And Mary was talking about this from behind the chair yesterday. She said, build a dream so big other people can live their dream inside of it. That's mm-hmm. what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Like I want to elevate people. And all you have to do is focus on being responsible for yourself. And that in itself is inspirational to the people that are focusing on themselves. Exactly. So. And it's like, I'm a role model and a mentor. I'm not their mother. They don't have to answer mm-hmm. to me. I have nothing to do with their business, but I'm 100% there for them if they need me. And my focus on me is making it crazy to work anywhere else. I have three people on payroll making that salon incredible, you know, and, and with mm-hmm. rental, that's expensive. You know, it's expensive mm-hmm. to Very. have support staff. So I've got support staff. We've got a beautiful space. All their education is included, all their demo education. It's got a beautiful aesthetic, a great vibe. There's no drama. But just to clarify, it's not it's in, in New York City. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're it's in, in Connecticut. Connecticut. Connecticut is and New they York. can host classes there and think, I know Connecticut, it is. Yeah, I know. Connecticut, Connecticut is like is better New than New York. No offense, New York people, but like Connecticut is lit. <laughs> really we have like the best artists. I swear, we have some incredible artists mm-hmm. here in Connecticut. Some of the best hairdressers I know are in Connecticut. Colored by Caitlin, Arif the Barber, Krista Dupree, Colored by KP, Jamie C's out here. Like we have like Greta Wagner. Like we've got huge artists out here who are amazing and Connecticut yeah. is lit and it's beautiful and it's 45 minutes from the airport. Can that be the title of this podcast? It's Connecticut lit is lit. Yes. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm like always trying to put Connecticut on the map, even though I can't stand living in a place where we have winter. Like I do love, I do. I hate the taxes. Same. I grew up in the South <laughs> yeah. on the beach and I like, whenever it snows, I'm like, my soul is dying. Yeah, literally. It's like, I hate the taxes. I hate how expensive it is to live here, but I honestly love Connecticut. Like I do love it, mm-hmm. but the right. network is dope. That's awesome. Tell us about your masterclass too, because I think, you know, that's something that you're you're doing that's a big focus. And I think people could benefit from yeah, it. Yeah, totally. So like there's the network salon and then there's the network mastermind. Mm-hmm. Mastermind. Yeah. And so mastermind was born like three years ago when I was teaching and like everybody, like I was teaching on the road and these people would become like best friends during class. So I was like, well, let me get them in a Facebook group so that they can all connect. And then I was like, well, let me post videos so that they can keep learning. And then I started charging 20 bucks a month for it. And it grew and it grew and it grew and it grew. And that's how mastermind was started of just bringing my students together so that they can connect and grow. And I call it a mastermind group because I wanted to have everybody contributing and growing and like really make it a community. So the network salon is in person. That's our salon. That's our in-person education. The network mastermind is our online. And then it comes to life at the network. When we do a huge cutting class, mastermind people come in for crew and we get to hang out, connect, and they help with the events and they obviously show up to the events. It's like literally like my inner circle of people. And through mastermind, that's where I do my one-on-one coaching. That's where I do, I do weekly coaching calls with them, group coaching. It's really um, my online coaching and education. They can really get to be with you. It's my online coaching and education group. I really care about everybody in there. I have great relationships with them. We've got like 650 people in there right now. And they're 
amazing. They're amazing people. And it's helped me really like stay so connected to the industry by building these close relationships. Like I've got so many followers on Instagram. Mastermind is like, really, you take all of the people who really are serious about working with me and growing and, and doing in my way, you know, I built this incredible business and I want to teach people everything. And the people who really want to focus and commit, there's a place for them to work with me. People message me, will you be my mentor? Yes. Join mastermind. I can be your mentor. Right. How can people find more information on Just all these go things? Just the link in my bio. And there's, a, there's like a million okay. links on my Just link tree. follow. <laughs> yeah. Follow in, totally. in bio. And to kind of wrap everything up and bring it kind of full circle, we, first of all, I want to thank you for being so candid with us yes, and absolutely. sharing your story. Because we know that the people that are listening, everyone's struggling with something. And how deep that goes is different for every person. And I think sharing a story like this really allows people to say, wow, there's professionals in my industry that are going through the same thing. They made it through. There's hope for me as well. And not just talk about hair all the time. Exactly. What would you leave with our listeners? It's kind of like your parting words of wisdom that maybe someone needed, needs to hear that's Asking struggling. Asking for help is a sign of strength. Asking for again. help is a sign of strength. <laughs> it's so true. And it's like, sometimes we're asking for help in all different ways. Use your words. And I yeah. love the quote, be who that. you are and say how you feel. Cause those who mind don't matter. And those who matter don't mind. Like if you put oh, yourself God. out there and you ask for help and somebody is not supportive of that, people will make it known if they're meant to be in your, God will put people in and out of your life and don't give up. Like literally don't mm-hmm. give up, ask for help. And if you don't get the help that you need, keep asking and put yourself out there and don't give up on yourself. I really hope that if you are struggling, that you ask for help and just know you're not alone. If you're struggling with these issues, you're not alone. And we're all struggling just because people aren't blasting it from the rooftops like I am. Like it's literally, I'm just trying to make people feel less alone. And I'm no expert. I'm just here to tell my story. I think we have to get out of the mindset of, you know, you're stronger alone, right? Like if you do everything by yourself, you're stronger. And we really talk to our students about building your network of people. There's never enough. There's never enough mentorship. There's never enough coaching, therapy, you know, business. Like you have to build your people to keep you strong. You, you, this whole idea of like, oh, we have to do things alone. Like, no, it not takes at all. a tribe. It takes a village to raise a kid and it takes a tribe to stay alive. So I'm really excited to have had this conversation yes, with you. Thank, thank you. you so much for opening up. If you want to know more about the network or Gina's mastermind group, you can go to her Instagram and you can go to her bio and you can get connected with all of the things. Gina, can you share what your Instagram is for anyone? I don't think there'll be anyone that doesn't know that's listening, but for those that might yes, not Yes, just know. follow me at I am Gina Bianca. You go to GinaBianca.com and go to the networksalon.com. Literally everything's in the bio on Instagram. And I hope that you check out my podcast also if you're looking for free education. There's so much education just on the podcast. So what is the name of the podcast so people can go subscribe? Just, y'all Google me. No, Gina Bianca podcast. Um, I try to keep it. Keep it that is the simplest fun. way. Just go follow her. It's all there. That's perfect. Thank you so much for being on here. And I'm sure that we will Thank talk you. to you and have you around Thank you. again. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Next time on Destroy the Hairdresser, the podcast. There was abuse, 
not only like there was sexual abuse, mental abuse, gaslighting, manipulation, you know. You're talking about Hollywood? <laughs> <laughs> no, just the commission salon down the street. Oh, right. Right. That's it. Right. Hostage situations. Some of these old old concepts of holding on so tightly and not coming from a place of sharing actually ruined people's lives with the non-compete. And so that is something that as a coaching company, we're like, we're really trying to break that. And the fact that this kind of fear-based leadership is still out there, that's terrifying. Right.